I'm Carlos Virgen, and this is The Storyline, produced by The Day in New London, Connecticut. This week on The Storyline. Inefficiencies at the DMV, according to columnist David Collins. The Day editorial board offers a roadmap leading to the legalization of recreational marijuana. You cannot make up how bad the state agencies and government are in this state. I went to the DMV site last week to pay a bill. I was stunned to find out that there's also a waiting room online. Privatize DMV. Problem solved. Privatize the entire government. To me, DMV reminds me of heartburn. Connecticut is a joke. After all the money, mistakes, delays, and screw-ups with the new system, we still have to wait three-plus hours to register a vehicle. You cannot make up how bad the state agencies and government in this state are. Those were some of the comments read by newsroom staff posted on David Collins' column on DMV wait times. Wait times, long lines, traffic, all part of modern adult life. You get caught in traffic on I-95, you end up at the back of a slow line at the grocery store, or maybe you go to an amusement park and endure hours of lines to get on the rides. How about two or three hours at the DMV? Columnist David Collins wrote about his recent attempt to register a vehicle at the Norwich DMV. David, uh, thanks for stopping by. I'm hope you. I hope you've kind of uh, decompressed uh, from your yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. For, at, at fact, the, I'm, I'm my my um, car was registered. I drove right in. It was, it was uh, easy. It was easy. <laughs> how about uh, your visit to the DMV? How how easy was that? Uh, not easy. In fact, it still awaits me because uh, I didn't have time. I, I discovered the wait time was estimated at three and a half hours, so I have to do another day. I couldn't do it. So you're I'll take a day off probably. Like everybody else <laughs> yeah, you you mentioned in your column um, that you probably some people probably might need to take a vacation day to right, to take right. care of stuff at DMV. Can you talk a little bit about your experience? I guess I had heard a little bit. I heard some rumblings that there were still long lines, and um, I hadn't seen any recent news stories. And the last time I remember that um, the lines at the DMV were making news was when um, uh, we all remember they were installing a new computer system and. And they said that when this computer system was up and running and the, and the kinks were out of it, that it was just going to be great. And it was going to be faster. Go away. It's faster, right? right Everybody right. can. And it is true. I, I th- the new system is up and running. And I think you can do more online. And people are doing more online than they did before. Um, but it also, t- to my surprise, it has not really eliminated the lines. The lines are still um, hours and hours in some of the um, stations around here. And I, I went through, they've, they've got on their website, they've got a, a, a system that lets you look at uh, the various wait times for the various offices. Right, which is sort of handy, but it, it also, it's just sort of a big red light. It's yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, three you look hours at Norwich. Norwich. I think Norwich and Willimantic were, yeah. were kind of right on the three-hour three uh, yeah. line as far right. as waiting lines. The uh, thing that really surprised me, too, and I looked into it a little bit further, and I talked to the DMV, um, uh, this is routine. This wasn't. This isn't like some problem. I thought. Well, it's the day after Memorial Day weekend, and you know it's a Tuesday, and so for a lot of reasons, maybe this was just a really uh, an anomaly. Um, but no, this is this is sort of routine, and there really there are no plans to change it. It is seasonal. They say that um, for various reasons, registering boats. People buying new cars in the spring. Um, that this is a busy season, and then it will slow down at the end of June and into the summer. Um, but pretty much, you know, this, this is, is the, the busy time, and this is the way it is. And we're not really doing anything to change it. We're not hiring more people or moving people around or reorganizing or reassessing the system. This is what it is. You wait a couple hours at least, spend a half a day, take off a day at work. Uh, they did mention that that they thought that some people could 
avoid going in and that that might relieve a little bit, but probably not change yeah, they the wait time. Say that, that's right. They say that they've been trying to notify people and, and teach them um, to do things online. Um, they use a percentage, which is pretty high, of the number of people who are actually doing their business in the office that they could do online. Um, but that I think that still doesn't reflect the fact that, I mean, there are a lot of things that you just can't do. I mean, I, what I need to do and check my registration, I right. can't do it online. Right. So. Um, I, I, you know, a good number of those people that are contributing yeah. those wait times are, are there because they have to be there and they're not being yeah. served in the sense that they're being made to take up a half a day of their, of their lives to register their car. Yeah, I've, so I've been in, in Connecticut almost four years and I've only been into the DMV once to uh, get my Connecticut driver's license. And recently I realized that um, I've moved a couple times since we, we got here to Connecticut and, and that my one of my vehicles was registered with the wrong address. So I was kind of afraid that I was going to have to go into the DMV. But it turns out that I could take care of it by not going in. But it wasn't even online. You have to mail, <laughs> fill out a form, and mail it into the DMV to change the address of your registered vehicle, which is just insane. <laughs> insane. It, it's not, it doesn't take me three and a half hours, but still. You They're endless. It's sort of the classic bureaucracy and, and sort of unforgiving bureaucracy. In fact, um, a colleague uh, this morning beelined over to my desk because he had just come back from the DMV and he had, had bought a camper, I think, from out of state. Right, in Vermont, right. Yeah. right. And it was given um, all this paperwork, including a, a lien release. And he did the initial line at the DMV office to make sure that you have all the paperwork before you do the long wait. And the person who checked him out said, no, you're good to go. You have all this paperwork. You're fine. Wait, you know, your turn. So he did. He devoted the three hours or whatever it was. He get us, gets up to the counter and the person at the counter says, no, this lien release doesn't have all the information or isn't done the way we require it. And um, so that was it. He got booted out and has to start over again. In yeah. fact, he's not even sure where he's going to get that lien release and that's going to satisfy them. And, um, and clearly the person, the, the, the system broke down because the person who was checking paperwork was supposed to tell him whether or not he was ready to go and wait all that time. Yeah, I think he said that he asked to speak to the manager and, and, and yeah, it's kind of... And like everything else, it's sort of the kinds of things you resort to that you would do in a normal business where you're being treated as a customer doesn't work. <laughs> Asking for the manager or threatening not to use their product anymore. Those are those are useless. So any suggestions for, for any of our listeners that, that well, need to go to the DMV? Uh, I, I, there doesn't seem, I will certainly check and make sure that you need to go and you can't do it online. But other than that, I'd say maybe... A uh, book? Bring a br book? Bring, I brought a book. I'd say uh, bring it up with your elected officials too because right. this is really, I think, the, and this is why it's such a sort of a um, classic uh, a case of uh, government problems and bureaucracies and, um, and dysfunction because um, this is really, this is where m a lot of people really kind of interact with their government and with their state government. And um, they're there to pay money too, to pay fees. And um, this is really where they get to an sort of an assessment of how well the government's running and how right. well they're being taken care of as taxpayers and citizens well, who are trying to do the right thing. And so to have this sort of mis dysfunction at that level of interaction with the with the citizenry is right. really really unfortunate, and you would think that politicians would, would take that into somehow kind of fix it. Right. You, if you read the comments on your column, I mean, that's what people a lot of people are saying, calling for privatizing not only the DMV. Right. Some people are saying privatize the government altogether. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that's the answer, <laughs> but fix it. You know, yeah, it's it's yeah. certainly it's it's not right. And and you know, you can look, you can trace some of this. You don't have to go very deep to see that the recent commissioners who, and the last one left under a scandal of, of 
pretty big proportions. Um, the, the, the people who are appointed to run these big agencies um, are political um, operatives who are owed favors, and, and they're not people who have experience in you call in cronyism, taming, right? a big, yeah. taming a bureaucracy, right? They're just the, they're these political cronies who are put in these positions, often because they're former senators or state representatives. They go on the state payroll with these big salaries, and then they segue into pensions. It's sort of a, you know, it's a, a political payback system, um, and the people in Connecticut are suffering for it. Right. Well... Good luck. I, I, right, I have one more visit to go. Thank you for stopping by. Check online. I will. Thank you. Thanks. What does leave work now mean to you? What does it imply? It implies that wherever you're sitting listening to this, it is not as fun as what you could be doing. <laughs> exactly. We're the harbingers of relaxation. It's your job every day to go and do what other people would consider fun. So this podcast is sort of like going along with you. You want to go with me the next time I attend a Yanni concert? Leave work now with Rick Coster. Find us on theday.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Colorado officially legalized the recreational use of marijuana in January of 2014. In 2015, Legalization resulted in an estimated $135 million in revenue for the state. Subsequently, seven states and the District of Columbia have passed similar legislation. The Day's editorial board this week endorsed the legalization of recreational marijuana in Connecticut. Editorial page editor Paul Schwanier stopped by to talk about the recommendations. This week, uh, the Day editorial board uh, published an editorial endorsing uh, the legalization of marijuana in Connecticut. Can you talk a little bit about that, why this um, came up now, and and kind of the background of of how the board came to this decision? Well, it was a very interesting discussion that, that led up to that editorial that was in the Sunday's edition. Uh, something that the editorial board has been talking about for years since we saw a legalization in Colorado and then spreading to other states. We're certainly taking a look at that uh, experiment and, and how that was going. We supported it as a state's rights issue that states should have the freedom to explore. We backed the Obama administration's uh, decision to let that play out. Uh, we also had endorsed the use of marijuana for medical reasons. So you could say there was some evolution, some progression. I think what brought us back to revisit it as legalization for recreational use was the reality of seeing Massachusetts voters in the last election uh, approve legalization there right over the border. And the state of Massachusetts is now putting together the regulatory work to to make that possible and the rules that will will govern that. So th- that that was kind of a major major shift where we said let's look at this again. In a sense that um, Rhode Island is moving in that direction and, and Vermont possibly. Yeah, yeah, we saw in Rhode Island all indications you read about Rhode Island seems to be that they are going in that direction as well. Uh, Vermont legislature uh, passed uh, kind of a loosey-goosey uh, legalization law, basically, if you want to grow it and use it, fine. They didn't really put a lot of uh, 
kind of meat on the bones as far as regulating it. The governor, my understanding, has vetoed it, but they seem to be moving down that path as well. And particularly with Massachusetts now, we sort of face the reality that people in Connecticut now are smoking marijuana. We know there's a large black market. Um, And Massachusetts, soon they will be smoking it purchased in Massachusetts. It's a short drive almost from anywhere in Connecticut. And the reality is people that want to do that are going to be driving over the state line, the business, the taxes and everything will be flowing to Massachusetts and the use will be going on here. So we're sort of confronting the reality of of what we're seeing in the change in society. Uh, So we've we've offered really a two-step process. We said we think this is the point where it makes sense to move towards legalization, but rather than rushing it through the legislature, this session simply is a way of raising revenue and trying to close the budget deficit that they put together sort of a blue ribbon commission to carefully look at all aspects of it and come back to the legislature with, if you do legalize, uh, these are the various points you should consider, and these are recommendations as as to how you would, would do that. And we feel the legislature would at that point in a subsequent session would be in a better position to act on it than trying to, you know, squeeze it through in the final days of a session and, and, and not do it properly. Any serious talk of this in, in the current session? Most prominently, the Democratic uh, President Pro Tem of the Senate, uh, Martin Looney, out of uh, New Haven area, has been a strong advocate for it, although he seems to emphasize the, the budgetary implications as, as much as anything. So, you know, when you have the leader of the Senate uh, saying that, certainly it has some legs, potentially. The editorial mentions um, uh, an estimate by the Office of Fiscal Analysis that, that, that kind of looks at a potential $100 million in revenue, annual revenue, from uh, the legalization of marijuana. You'll find that $100 million, like the next to the last paragraph in our editorial, and that was for a purpose. We really don't think raising revenue should be the lead issue on this. You know, there's other issues of uh, just, again, the reality that people are buying it, and right now it supports a black market. There's no quality control if it's legalized. People at least would know they're buying something that's the actual product that hasn't been laced with anything to make it stronger and such. Yeah, there's been issues with some synthetic forms of marijuana where people have gotten really sick and some people have died, and potential reduction in, you mentioned the black market, potential reduction in crime that's related to this black market. And, and one of the issues, when you just look at it as a revenue driver, you say, well, let's tax the heck out of it. And, and I imagine there'll be a hefty fee, a hefty, hefty tax, but that's why we want sort of some smart people to look at, including some maybe accountants on there, because you want to put it at a price point where people just feel more comfortable buying it legally. But if you raise it so much, if you have the taxes so high, there's still going to be a black market out there and they'll be sticking to the black market and you'll lose the advantage of getting the revenues you want to. So that's why I think it has to be done carefully. And you and I talked briefly before we started recording um, that it's still too early, even though um, um, Colorado has had uh, legalized uh, recreational marijuana for, for a few years now. It's still too early to really fully see the impact of, of that kind of legislation. Um, as part of the discussion um, leading to this editorial, what, what uh, topics were discussed in the editorial board? Well, there's certainly drawbacks to marijuana use. Uh, we're not saying, like, hey, it's a wonderful miracle drug or anything of the sort. Uh, 
and I think if if Massachusetts and other New England states weren't taking the step, I don't think we'd be rushing into that, you know, into this position. We'd rather, if we had our choice, wait a little longer and see how the experiment's playing out in some of these other states. As you point out, it's been not relative. It's been relatively a short time, you know, in the scheme of things. But we keep we kept coming back to the fact. New England is a small place. You know, the states are small. They're right next to each other. Commerce across lines is very typical. Uh, so the reality is it's going to be legal in New England. Uh, did it make much sense to continue to have it illegal in Connecticut? You weren't stopping people from buying it. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts may have a law that you can't bring it back. You know, Connecticut won't recognize it, but the reality is people are going to take a drive up and buy it. So... Um, you know, there's concerns about, there's problems with some chronic marijuana uses. Uh, there's a debate how much the market increases when you legalize. And, you know, it's one of the things we're still seeing playing in Colorado. I, I looked briefly at the comments section. Any Anything that struck you from the, the our user comments from, uh, related to this editorial? Well, well a couple of things. One, there's quite a few comments by our, by our standards. Uh, and... It seemed to be a pretty good discussion. Uh, sometimes you get very off-the-cuff, flippant comments on sometimes. There, there seemed to be some substance to the back and forth uh, that was going on. Uh, uh, eyeballing it, it kind of seemed maybe evenly split, pro-con maybe? I didn't do an actual count, but that's as you went through it, yeah. that's the impression uh, you got. I think there was a couple of uh, strong advocates and antis that maybe went back and forth uh, pretty good, but... Um, and I think, I think the polls consistently in Connecticut and nationally have shown a majority in favor of legalization because you can regulate it, because you can control the quality, because then you get some revenue and taxes out of it as opposed to all going into a black market. Um, and, and that's been a big switch over the last 15 years or so that you've seen a, a switch where majorities 15 years ago were definitely against that. Uh, it's sort of been a sea change on that issue. Well, thank you very much for stopping by, Paul, and and we'll see what happens with uh, this in Connecticut and definitely what's going to happen in the next year or so in in Massachusetts. Yeah, we'd love uh, letter writers. We've already had a commentary of some doctors taking exception with our our decision, which we'd love to have a debate on our pages and on our website. So, uh, What's that email address uh, for for the letters? Lettersattheday.com. It can be up to 200 words and... uh, We'd love to hear from people what they have to say because this is an important debate. And if you're a subscriber, a paying member, you're free to comment on uh, our editorial page, on any of our stories, but um, specifically on our editorials. Well, thank you again. Thank you. It's the Sports Doctor, Keith P. O'Brien. If you want a different take... If you want a different angle, a different way to view sports, well, check out my weekly podcast, and I will show you the way from a fan's standpoint. We'll bring you great guests, local, national, athletes, coaches, players, you name it. I'll bring it to you. Sports Doctor Podcast right here on the day.com.